Small and medium-sized businesses are under the pump right now in Australia. And with the small business community employing lots of Australians across various sectors, it's so important for SME owners and employees to remain in a good state of health and well-being. Now, I know a lot of people are reluctant to speak to lawyers, especially when under stress and financial pressure, but the value of great advice is underrated, I think. In this episode, I speak with Katie Richards, who's the founder of Law on Earth. Katie is a lawyer and has a real passion for creating accessible legal help and believes it's a human right to have access to legal support. We talk about how legal issues impact people's personal well-being and their performance at work. We talk also about some of the top stresses at the moment that employees and employers are facing and how... The workplace is changing at a rapid pace and some of the considerations for employees and employers to manage their own legal risks. Let's jump into the show. Welcome to another LinkedIn Live for Well Workplaces. And today I'm really pleased to be chatting with Katie Richards, who's the founder of Law on Earth. Katie, welcome. Thanks, Tom. Nice to be here. Thanks for joining us all the way from sunny Queensland. How's it going up there? Yeah, look, we're pretty lucky in Queensland. We've had a few little snap lockdowns, but to be honest, we get perfect weather most days. And so we really need to be getting out and about as much as we can. But you know, we're, we're quite lucky. Yeah, exactly. Your winters don't really count up there. They're actually quite nice. I'm sitting here today in Melbourne. It's pretty windy outside in the backyard. But anyway, it is an interesting time, Katie, across Australia, especially up the East Coast at the moment with so many lockdowns, as you mentioned, there's a lot of stress in the small business community and there's different reasons for that stress. Some of that links in with financial stress and pressure. Some of that also links in with legal concerns as well. So the real reason for getting you on today is because I think in terms of overall well-being, what we tend to look at, people tend to think of, oh, I need to be physically fit or I need to be mentally well. Well, one of the big things that impacts people's personal well-being is actually their financial well-being and their career well-being so their ability to you know earn a good crust and be passionate about what they do and then when there's a pandemic like there has been for now a long time all of that gets stirred up and interrupted and I'm an SME owner and so are you so you know the pressures at the moment and one of the things that I've learned over the last 12 months is the power of good advice good legal advice in particular and not being afraid to ask for advice at the right time and I think a lot of people are scared of speaking to lawyers so you're a friendly face and we know each other so I thought it'd be great opportunity to share some knowledge and just talk about some of the issues right now. Yeah absolutely look one of the reasons I think why people are actually scared of talking to lawyers Tom is because it's often around that cost factor firstly Um, they don't know what it's going to cost from the outset and they're worried to ask questions because some lawyers will just start, you know, turn the clock on the second they pick the phone up and some won't. Some will give you a little bit of free time, but you don't know that until you've actually picked the phone up. And so especially where it could be financial issues that these guys are dealing with, they don't want to get themselves into even more hot water. But by putting their head in the sand, they tend to do that anyway. And I think the other side of it too is there hasn't been an easy way to get information how to sort of work out what the next steps are for someone in a particular scenario, even though there's probably thousands of people in exactly that same scenario at this same time. And so because of that, when they speak to a lawyer, they feel silly asking questions and they feel like they should know this stuff because they're an intelligent person. You know, they could be a high-end CEO or they could be an engineer or they could be a nurse, they could be a stay-at-home mum or dad, but at the end of the day, they sort of think they should know this stuff and they just don't but it hasn't been easy 
to get the, the information. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people, when they take the dive into small business, they're often coming from backgrounds where they've been great technicians in their mm. particular field. So for example, my background is a physiotherapist and I was good at running the the clinic and being the physio and then suddenly 10 years later I'm running a business and I, you don't know what you don't know but you're right I do remember that first call that I had with a lawyer many many years ago setting up maybe a retail lease or something like that and I, I was well out of my depth but I was quite happy to be like yeah you're, you're the man you know what you you know what you're doing not me so but I think you're right the cost factor is is probably a big one before the chat Katie I had a look at SMEs in general and just some of the stats around it. So I wouldn't mind just throwing some things in there for our listeners. Now, SMEs actually make up about 97% of businesses in Australia and there's different sizes. So there's from zero to 19 employees. There's about 2 million of those. Medium-sized businesses, they're classified any 20 to 199 employees. There's about 50,000 of them. And then the large ones is about 200 plus employees is about 3,700 of those, according to the research that I've done. So 97% of businesses in Australia are SMEs. It really means that those people that are affected right now, it's impacting obviously the economy at a pretty crazy rate, but it's also impacting the employees that work in there, which is also, you know, devastating and obviously has a lot of implications. So I thought I'd throw that in there because that's obviously a lot, right? That's huge. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely massive. And the thing, like you're saying too, is that it's not just the small businesses that get impacted, it's their employees that get impacted. And then if a small business goes down, then the people lose jobs and then that impacts the other partner if it's in a family or it impacts a lot of other people, other suppliers don't get paid. So it has this massive ripple effect right across the community. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, Katie, before we get into some of your observations in the current climate, if you could just tell us a little bit about, I guess, your why you got into law and just your overall passion in that space or who you are as well. Yeah, yeah. So I actually I was a country town girl, grew up in uh, North Queensland in a tiny uh, town called Ayr, uh, where I'm literally related to the entire town. And then I sort of, when I eventually came down to the city in my later years to go to university, I had actually started studying in the medical science space. And then I switched over to legal when I realized there was, there was such a big problem with this access to justice. And so I became a lawyer myself. I'm, I'm a lawyer here in Australia, New Zealand, and in the UK. I got into the legal tech space specifically because I just thought there had to be a better way to do things. And I was spending so much of my time outside of hours, outside of my job, helping other people like create little guides so they can understand what they're doing with their legal problems. Because everyone comes to you and it's like, oh, you're a lawyer, so you must know, be able to help me with something. And it's almost like you had an obligation constantly to help. So I was like, there's got to be a more efficient way to be able to help these people when they did come to me on my weekends. And then I sort of started doing a bit of research around it. And in 2013, I went, right, that's it. I have to start something now and put everything I've got into it to start addressing these problems because they're, they're massive, like 74% of Australia can't afford legal help and whether that's because they can't or whether they think they can't because of the problems we talked about before like they're too scared to even try because of the unknown costs so I think that probably plays into it as well so I'm pretty passionate about making sure we can find a way just to make things a bit more fair to be honest to so that everyone has got that basic level of open legal support whether they're an employee a business an individual mums and dads whoever it is just everyone should have that you know we use Medicare to find a way to get medical help so why are we not finding a way to get a basic level of legal access to absolutely everyone? So I could harp on about it all day. 
I love it. I love it. And I'm coming from a health background and a lot of our listeners in our well workplaces community are coming from the well-being space, whether that's HR or their, you know, health experts. And we know that there's a lot of effort recently into telehealth. And I think telehealth is a word that most people can link in and understand what that means. But with Law on Earth, which is your beautiful creation, it's called it's Tally Law, which is for me, mm-hmm. that was a new word in my head recently after meeting you a little while ago. Yeah. Katie, what are some of the legal issues that impact uh, people's personal well-being and, and just from your I guess your experience through creating your business but also just through your experience as well as a lawyer what are some of those key things yeah look in terms of what we're sort of seeing around the small business space you're seeing people are getting into issues around not understanding their contracts or just trying to find stuff on google and then pulling them in and and saying okay well it says supplier agreement this must be fine I'll change the name on the top and then sign the back and they don't understand what's going on. So the way that we've set the world up is that we've got all this what's called um, like protective legislation that's meant to be there to help us and stop things from happening in certain circumstances. But you can contract out of some of the rights that you would have in that scenario. So we're finding that people are sort of trying to avoid the cost of legal and they're going down that path and they're getting documents that actually put them into more hot water than if they didn't have any contract in place at all. So that's where some of these problems are happening. In sort of the COVID space now, we're also finding that a lot of leasing issues are sort of coming up as well in the business space. And we're also finding that when people are having interpersonal problems, a lot of divorcing is going on. And then that's also impacting businesses as well. So people you know, don't have their eye on the ball. So we're seeing these kind of issues that are going on. But on the employee space, we're then also seeing around where people aren't able to deal with home issues that are going on. They're bringing it to work. And in many cases, um, the, the stats are showing around, you know, say around three hours a week that employees are putting into trying to find you know, resolutions to what they're dealing with. And then when they're bringing these problems to work as well, Tom, is that they're actually not just impairing their own productivity in the workplace, but they're affecting everyone else around them. And that does two things. That's number one, bad for the business, but that also jeopardizes their employment. And they're getting bad reviews from their supervisors. Um, and some people are actually losing their jobs. Um, I was surprised at the stats I saw the other day. It was around 12%, I think from a certain study that was done of people who actually lost their job as a result of having to deal with legal issues. And oh, um, and they, yeah, yeah. So then they've lost their income as well. So if you don't even have any income, then they're losing their home. So it's it's it really sort of spirals out of control where they don't do something about it. And the other thing I saw in this study too was that where people were actually reaching out during work hours, it was taking several hours during the week for them to go away And then the anxiety building up for them in having to ask for that time off during the day, especially if there's a lot going on for employers and employers are stressed at the moment, having to ask for time off to go and deal with personal issues just wasn't going down real well in the workplace. So they were getting anxious about it and spending even more time not doing their jobs because they were just stressing about asking for time off. So these are some of the things that we've been seeing going on quite frequently in the market now, especially with all the COVID issues going on. Yeah, it's a really interesting take because everyone knows at the moment that mental health is a big issue. And we know that the cost of, say, a psychological injury, the cost of that happening in the workplace goes for a long time. It's very hard to get people back into work, but we never really, it's a bit silly, isn't it? We never really think about, okay, well, what's going on? Well, we do, but we we maybe don't have the solution to address it. So what's happening in their home life when you dig deeper and you're seeing the end of that, which is Mm. I'm going through a separation perhaps, which is huge and makes sense of how that could absolutely 
ruin your day, not to mention your year and trying to find a solution in amongst that. It hurts my head thinking about straight away. So yeah, that's quite interesting. And the other one you mentioned was the employers maybe being in these leases, I'm assuming commercial leases and, Mm. you know, it's a hectic space. I understand that space because I've I've had those issues as well and worked through them in the last year. It is tricky and stressful as well when you're not a lawyer. You don't know how to read the contracts and understand your obligations and that kind of thing. Yeah, and you also don't understand what you can negotiate in. You know, like you're missing opportunities that you could have taken to take a heap of pressure off you as well. And the opportunity may be worth sort of, you know, $500,000, a couple of thousand dollars, but people are like, well, it's going to cost me a couple of grand to go and get a lawyer to help me with this. What's the point? Uh, whereas that's not necessarily the case. And, you know, what we're seeing is that then people are you know, becoming more unwell just from the anxiety side of things. And so it really creates that cycle is that once they're sort of becoming mentally and physically unwell, then they're not thinking straight and then they're not running their businesses properly. They're not working correctly. Um, they're bringing those issues home. It's upsetting their home life, bringing it back to work. So everyone is sort of suffering because of one thing that may have been able to be solved relatively quickly. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's made me appreciate over the years is the power of good advice, whether that's from a lawyer or an external expert in their field. Given that we spend so much time in well-being, we talk a lot about employee assistance programs and there's a lot of information coming out now about psychosocial factors impacting people's workplaces and and a fair bit going on in in that area where do you think legal support fits in when it comes to employee well-being i don't feel like it's being talked about much so what do you think we're actually seeing a lot more of it a lot more of it now we've been approached and have been working for some time with several different sized businesses who are essentially saying look we do all these different perks for our businesses, like gym membership. So gym membership, even, you know, that's going to cost probably 1500 two grand a year. Whereas they're saying, okay, well, they're not going to the gyms because the gyms are shut. And so what we want to do is we want to replace that benefit for them with something that's actually going to address the issues that are coming up in their life, whether that's counselling, whether that's getting the legal assistance packages put in place. So they're there if they need them. They don't have to go and access a lawyer just because it's there. So it's not necessarily a cost straight away for the employer, but just the employee knowing that the employer actually has their back. And if if something comes up, there's no stigma around, oh, you're going to need to go and get some legal advice. And they also don't have to take the time off work because they can, if they use something like what we're doing, then they could actually bring the lawyer right up there and then in the lunchroom, you know, in a quiet place by themselves. And then, you know, 20, 40 minutes later, they've dealt with whatever they needed to deal with. And so it's just taking that anxiety away from the issue around actually engaging a lawyer in the first place. I think a lot of people, as soon as they find out that I'm a lawyer, they go, oh, well, I've never needed a lawyer. Like, <laughs> like, oh, that doesn't mean you're a criminal because you need a lawyer. You actually might be an intelligent person taking an opportunity you know and learning how law works so it just takes away that negative connotation around stepping up getting help and actually being proactive with their lives so I think that fits really well into the employee assistance program side of things because isn't the employee assistance is all about making sure that your employees are in the best position they can be physically mentally and that really gives them the opportunity to say hey if I need this then I know that I can reach out and ask for it or access it easily uh, without feeling like I, you know, I owe someone something. And I think it's a good way to do it. Yeah, I really like the idea. I think, as I was saying before, there's a lot of effort and energy spent on EAP 
programs. I guess through this rapid change in the workplace at the moment, where work, the workplace, especially Vic, Victoria, say compared to Queensland, like you guys have probably been in your offices a bit more in the last 12 months than, than we have. And so a workplace now is everyone's home as well. And if you're if you've got a home environment that's a bit NQR or maybe you've got the, those issues at home, which are, you know, what you were saying before was the business owner hypothetically is at home and, and they're going through a separation at the same time. There's just so much to that problem. There's so much stress and there's the connection through to, you can speak to a psychologist. And I think that's been destigmatized, if that's a word, in the last 12 months, because people are talking a lot more about mental health, but you could easily kind of go, all right, let's, you know, speaking to a lawyer is not a big deal anymore. I feel like there's, there's still a little bit of that to go in the workplace, I guess, and also just in the community. That's right. Yeah. It, it's really all around that normalization. I and mean, like you're saying with psychology, just normalizing, you know, mental health is just something, you know, if you've got a cold, you got to see the doctor um, or you go and take something for it. So why on earth are we not normalizing more rapidly around this whole mental health element? You know, just awareness is not enough. There still is that stigma, like you're saying. So it's the same with legal. You know, you wouldn't probably need quite as many psychology sessions if you just dealt with the root cause of what's causing you to be so stressed out all the time. So it's like, well, you know, don't just grab the tree by the leaves, grab it right from the bottom of the root and pull it out and deal with what's happening. But yeah, I totally agree. I love it. And in the workforce at the moment, Katie, if you think about the different segments as uh, employees as different segments. So in my head, there's a, a lot of baby boomers, um, there's millennials. And obviously, if you're in your 20s, you're probably focused more on yourself. You're probably taking more, these are all generalizations, but you're taking more risks, maybe a little bit more selfish in your career. And then your 30s, you may be getting married and settling down, perhaps buying a house in your 40s, you're trying to earn a little bit more and so on. So each life stage basically has their has their potential stresses, but also opportunities. Do you feel like there's a big makeup now of millennials in the workforce? For that particular segment, I'm imagining that they've got certain stresses. I'm wondering from your perspective, what would be the top few things that they should or maybe that they're often getting themselves where they need legal help, but that maybe they've never sought it before? Yeah, I was actually really surprised. Uh, we've done quite a build, bit of estate planning for the, the younger guys. And I think it's because they're quite proactive in setting up like little online businesses or doing whatever they're doing. And they're trying to get you know their debt under control and work out what they want to do, get into the property market. And information for them is at their fingertips these days. So it's really easy for them to learn and get ahead. And we're finding that they're trying to do things, you know, like setting up their estate plans, which usually you'd expect to come from the baby boomers. And look, they're still doing their estate plans too. But a lot of them probably have thought about these kind of things already. They've already spoken to a financial planner. So I find it really interesting that the planning that's actually going in for these younger guys and um, doing things like their house of attorney so that they've got someone to step in to keep their things working if something happened to them, like if they got sick. You're seeing a bit of that also around the family, sort of the middle age crowd as well. But yeah, it was surprising for me to see that in the younger crew because usually everyone's too busy, you know, living to get on with dying. And so they don't think, they just don't put thought to it. Um, they're also the ones that are sort of, you know, going down and thinking about new ideas and innovation and then using it around, around the, the business advice. And a lot of, well, I've actually found a lot of people sort of jump on and chat to me about just pitching me an idea. They're not really even chasing legal advice, but they just want to know before they go and throw all their life savings at something, is this worth actually doing something about or even something they thought, thought about at work and now they're pitching and before they go and speak to their manager, they'll come pitch us in the platform. And some of the other things we're seeing too is we're doing sort of a lot of the parenting plans for people that have children around probably 
the five to 10 year bracket because they don't want to wait, you know, for an extended long period of time to go into a mediation. They want to be able to deal with it right now. They know that they can work together and get the right document pulled together and then individually get some advice in that space online without even having to leave home. So they can do it really fast and do it in a way that's still amicable before things blow up between them over something else. So we're seeing that a fair bit in that, you know, young to middle age bracket, say between maybe the 25s to 35s. That's really savvy by those younger those younger guys. I mean, when I was 20-ish, I wasn't definitely not thinking of my future. I wasn't really thinking of my future that, that much. I was thinking of my future, but I wasn't like going, all right, well, let's risk manage my, you know, my ideas and all this kind of thing. That's really cool to hear because I guess the reason for the question is because this, the workforce makeup is changing dramatically, isn't it? I think in the yeah. next, I think by 2023, I think 75% of the workforce globally is made up of millennials. I think that was that's mm. a stat. So those people, they need certain things and their stresses are certainly different to my parents' age where they're probably all set up. So yeah, it's quite interesting to learn what they're thinking about. And maybe if you're an employer or an SME, you might be thinking, okay, I've got a young maybe, I don't know how old you you are, Katie, but I'm sort of late 30s and a lot of our employees are kind of maybe late 20s. So I'm often thinking, okay, what would they, you know, in an employee wellbeing program, it might not be something that I think of, but what do they want? And sometimes it's yeah. really about asking your staff because that's where the answers are often of what they need. So connecting yeah. them maybe to those solutions is potentially a good idea. Yeah, look, I think the millennials are really great at looking at opportunities. Like they can see an issue and or even just see, you know, a boring old process in a business they're coming into. And um, someone explained it to me once that the reason they do it is because they're just lazy. And I said, well, lazy or not, whatever reason they're doing it for, if they're doing it in a way that's actually creating innovation within their workplace, good for them. I think innovation is just the new norm. People expect that they have to be innovative. So these younger guys, you know, they, they don't hold back in finding ways to actually bring innovation to either their own business or into their workplace so they can just rise up the ranks more quickly because there's just like this culture that's like, well, if you're not some kind of entrepreneurially minded person, then you're not normal. And it's like, well, no, that's usually, that's not really how it is. But hey, look, if they're going to bring all this incredible stuff to a workplace, why not give them the opportunity to be able to go and test it before they sort of, you know, put it in front of someone who may think, oh, well, that's just dumb. Whereas at least if they can go back in there, I've done my research, this is what it looks like. Great. What do you think? then they can, you know, shoot up the ranks quicker. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's it's also the workplace is changing at a very fast pace. I mean, we've worked with corporates now in our business for almost 15 years. And, and you know, when we started, people were coming to work in suits and ties and carried around Blackberries and they'd sit at their desks nine to five and they'd have a manager as well that they were kind of scared of. Um, so so nowadays, you know, the, you can see these workplaces being hybrid, obviously home, work whenever you need to. Basically, it's more about outcomes and as those millennials come in, there's or they're already in, they're, they've got those creative ideas, whether it's them being lazy or they're, they're being smart. Some, I think there's a quote around someone, you know, laziness is actually being something about being genius. Um, so yeah, it's quite interesting. I think with the rapid evolution of the workplace, I'm wondering in your view, what are some of the legal considerations for people to think about now that there's going to be more gig economy stuff happening, people working from anywhere? What are some of the things that you, you think about from your legal angle? 
Yeah, look, Tom, I've done a lot of like little risk assessments with a lot of people online. And um, some of the things we're looking at and I sort of highlight for them is have a look at every one of your staff members right now and have a look what their job um, responsibilities are. What we're finding is that because people have had, a, had to actually change their responsibilities quite substantially, especially those who are constantly working from home, they may actually be doing things outside of the classification of the award that they're employed under. So if they're taking on all these extra things, it actually may be the case that they're no longer a level two, they may actually be acting as a level three, uh, which can number one, cause you know the employee to get disgruntled if they know they're having to do all these extra things. And then the employer may not even realize because they're focusing on whatever they are doing and they're not sitting beside this person anymore. So they're just not noticing all the extra work. And it also could mean that they're not paying the right rates and the employee could get fined by fair work. So that's one of the things I say first, just work out how these changes have actually impacted the roles and uh, what people are actually doing, not just what is written down in their contracts. The other thing too is around duty of care, around how people are actually set up at home. I mean, the employer probably isn't going to go into your house, especially if you've got many staff and, and check out what's going on there. But if something happens, technically you would still be covered under a work cover policy. And so the employer is going to have to be able to say, yes, these are the steps that I took to make sure my employee is in a safe position because it's what's called a non-delegable duty. So you can't pass that risk off to someone else. Of course, unless they're maybe like a contractor and you had that in an agreement with them, but an employee, that's your problem. So um, you have to work out how to minimize risks of injuries that they might have at home too. So they're probably the two that we see the most. Yeah, that's a really interesting. And I love that one about just role clarity. I think one of the best things that's come out of the psychosocial risk management type stuff that's that I'm reading a lot more about is one of the best things you can do for someone's well-being in a workplace. It's not um, yoga and it's not, you know, providing fitness classes. It's actually giving them role clarity. And yeah. what's written down on a piece of paper, I guarantee doesn't match the last six months of what people have actually been doing. So it's a really good tip there on the employer side. What about employees? Is there anything that they need to think about given that if they're working in an SME, is there anything that comes to mind in your head that they should be thinking about or yeah. maybe tick off from a from a you know, legal Absolutely. So the Australian privacy principles can be very heavily impacted for the employer by what the employee is doing. So if you think about, you know, your employees now at home, they may not be on the same server. They may not be the same sign-ins. They may be storing all these things on a home computer, like private files of a client's identification. What happens if their house got broken into, their laptop was stolen, and they've got all this private information easily accessible? You know, that could be a data breach. Again, that could then cause a big fine for the employer, which could be enough to shut the business down and then no one has jobs, right? So they, they need to consider about what they're doing in terms of safety and security and data transfer, not just where they're storing it. So they're things like that they really have to have a think about too. And also, you know, when they're having private conversations, who can hear them? If they're at home, say if they're in a house and they've got three or four flatmates, one of the other people they're living with, they actually might be acting on the other side of a matter. So they could hear private information that they probably really shouldn't. You could have issues of insider trading from someone else hearing what you're talking about with your board. Uh, and then going and doing something about it on the back end. So there are certain things that are really impacted by this rapidly changing environment and people having to work from home, but not working in an isolated environment, uh, which probably is the case. You know, if you're in your gym jams and you're working from the lounge room, there's a good chance that, you know, there are other people that are listening in on what's going on or can easily access 
a lot of your work stuff that normally you'd maybe have to swipe in and swipe out of a floor for to get access to yourself. Yeah, well, yeah, you really just opened up my brain a little bit there with some some potential things that I should consider. Um, No, no, it's it's good. That's why that's why we're talking. Really great. And my last question or last thought there, Katie, is just in the in regards to the future of work from your perspective. You've obviously developed a relatively online business through Law on Earth. Where do you see the future of work going in your space, in the legal space, just out of interest? Yeah, look, what we're doing at the moment is that, so the way the Law on Earth essentially operates is it's a a self-service tally law platform. So it not only does the tally law, but it teaches the public how to actually manage their own legal issues. And that's done through a lot of really easy to understand education. So they get what next steps are. They understand why they're being asked questions by the lawyers same questions that they're asked then, they can then use those questions and they give a simple answer to what they want and the system slots all the clauses in. So it basically acts like a lawyer and then they still have the, they can do basically 90% of what they need to do. So the lawyers still step in in the recorded sessions for the last 10% and clean it up for them. I think given that we're creating such an accessible way to use legal, I think people are actually going to start trying to get among opportunities more often. And for that reason, we're bringing a lot of the law firms to actually work directly from the platform. So it sends cost agreements back and forth for lots of different types. So I think in terms of the legal space, I believe that this type of platform, it, hopefully ours, um, no one else has built anything exactly the same as this yet. So but hopefully these firms um, that will actually start just using the platform as an actual marketplace to completely operate from. So people will get used to working in that online space as opposed to going back to the traditional way. And let's face it, Tom, like lawyers had to change their ways. Like they, we've been acting like dinosaurs for so many years. You know, when I started Virtual Legal in 2013, that online law firms weren't a thing. And so it's just a small period of time, but huge, huge change recently. So, and I think what that also means for other smaller businesses and the medium businesses as well is that we have to be understanding how to operate in the online space. It's not just marketing. It's how we can actually keep our businesses safe, how we can create little risk triggers around what we do so that we don't end up dealing with putting out fires. We see the fires or we see the smoke coming from a lot earlier. And when you can actually see the smoke, okay, okay, well, I've got a disaster recovery plan that's in place. If this happens, this is what we do. If that happens, this is what we do. If this happens, we don't really have anything we can do, so we've ensured that risk. So just making sure that they're actually looking ahead. So I think in all, it's more of an opportunistic way of looking at business moving forward because everyone's been belted fairly hard. Some people well more than others. But I think once people get back on their feet, it will be a different mindset around how to build business and the, the tools to build business in a safer, better way will be accessible. Yeah, well, yeah, really good summary there. I think what you've built is really amazing. And I think you're well ahead of the curve, obviously, in the legal world, because a lot of our clients, we deal with a lot of law firms and we're talking to them about well-being. And unfortunately, law groups on a whole would be on the lower well-being score sort of end just because of the type nature of the work I think maybe in the the model as well so um, yeah well done for building such a cool accessible business and I think uh, for our listeners if anyone's listening that is an SME owner and, and needs some legal advice or is interested in just checking out the platform same for employees as well just get on and have a look it's uh lawonearth.com.au. Thanks so much, Katie, for your time. I really appreciate it and really enjoyed the chat. Yeah, thanks, Tom. It's been great. Have a great day. You too. Take care.
Thanks for tuning in to another Well Workplaces podcast. If you've loved the show, it would be fantastic if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or feel free to follow us on LinkedIn or Instagram and search Well Workplaces or my profile, Tom Bosner. The show is produced by Alice Hoyle and is made in my backyard cubby. If you would like to hear more about our exclusive events and more about the Well Workplaces community, feel free to email me directly at tom at wellworkplaces.com.au where I'd love you to tell me who I should interview in the future podcasts and also tell me what you've loved most about the show. This podcast is really built on community input and built on the aspiration of inspiring healthy change in every workplace. Thanks for listening.